So if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to the book of Habakkuk, and if you don't have a Bible, good news, we got one for you, right in the pew in front of you, it's on page 737. Breathe, breathe, okay. So we're going to continue a sermon series uh, this morning, uh, a sermon series entitled Faithfulness Amid the Ruins. And so let me hit pause. How's your life? Are you in the midst of the ruins now? Are you coming out of the ruins? Maybe you'll be heading into them. You know, we all have had a time in our life where we have been, our lives feel like they're just ruined. So how do we be faithful and how do we find God's faithfulness amidst the ruins? And so this little book of Habakkuk, this, this prophet of the Old Testament, who lived in a really dark time, uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, has, has written us this oracle. Uh, he's written us this letter. Uh, it, it's really, it's, it's, it's almost like a burden, he says. He's given us this, his burden, that kind of helps shed light on our lives. And so in the midst of the ruins, in the midst of all that's around us, that we can have faith, and we can have God's faith in God's faithfulness. In 2003, I remember it very well, uh, Dan Brown came out with a book that had caused quite a stir. It was called The Da Vinci Code. Uh, very well written book, a very entertaining book. So much so that they decided, hey, let's make this a movie and let's get not just any actor, let's get ourselves Tom Hanks uh, to do the movie of The Da Vinci Code. That came out in 2008. And again, uh, entertainment value, it certainly had a lot of entertainment. Uh, I had to see Rhea for this first time. Hi, Rhea, my ADD. It's awesome. Welcome. It's great to have you. Welcome back, Melissa. So glad to God's blessing to you and to us. So I remember back in 2008, the movie came out, and it was quite entertaining, but it caused a stir. I mean, I want to say an uproar, especially with the evangelicals. The evangelicals came out, and I was in ministry at the time. Um, I was doing uh, uh, ministry, and I remember that there was such a fear that, man, the Da Vinci Code is going to shed light that we can't trust God's Word, and, and that, that there really is some kind of hidden meaning the Bible has some kind of hidden meaning that, that we have to find out. That there's some kind of maybe like cryptic message. And if we carefully examine God's word, we can find this cryptic message. Um, but really, um, it was, again, uh, was not a biblical story. Uh, it was an entertaining story. Uh, but let me tell you, first and foremost, the Christians were nervous that this story would come out. And people will be like, ah, oh, can we trust God? Can we trust our Bible? Now, let me tell you, this is God's word. It's living and active. I can promise you this. God was not in heaven worried. He was not up there thinking, oh, my goodness, Da Vinci Code's coming out. Oh, what am I going to do? They got Tom Hanks. Oh, he's so good. This is going to be so convincing. I mean, is, is God's word in trouble? Never. It's God's word. It's living and active. And sinful people can choose to ignore it or or, or run from it, but God's word, and we are told this is going to endure forever and ever. Amen. So, but really, uh, the language of the Bible is so important. How do we understand the Bible? How, how, do, how do we understand the stories of the Bible? It's an ancient book. Um, it's a living book. It's a true book. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, it contains two testaments, uh, kind of like an Old Testament and a, a New Testament. It has 66 books 
and this incredible story, this one story of God. Uh, it's primarily in the Old Testament written in Hebrew, and in the New Testament it was written in Koine Greek, two languages we don't speak, very ancient languages. So how do we understand it? How do we figure it out? Well, there's some things that God has given to us that really we must know for the Bible to make sense. We've got we to gotta understand a bit of the language of the Bible. So what we know about the Bible is this. God the Father, he's the author of God's Word. God's Word says this is God breathed. God has given us himself, his story. Uh, it's in his words and his words through prophets and different writers. But we also see, not now, God the Father, uh, he is that author of God's word. But watch this, God the Son, he's the fulfillment of God's word. Huh. So all the promises of the Old Testament point to one who will come and fulfill all of God's promises. All of the shadows that point to a reality of Jesus. Jesus, God's Son, who will come and do that which we fail to do. Come and die a death we deserve to die. And the one who was only one who could bridge heaven and earth, holy God and sinful man. So scripture really has one hero. There's a lot of stories and a lot of people rise and fall. But there's one hero and the hero is God's son, Jesus. And if we look closely, it'll all point to him. By the, by the way, at the end of his life uh, in the gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 24, really amazing story. It's, it's called this road to Emmaus. Uh, Christ has been crucified and the resurrected Christ appears walking on the road uh, with, with these couple of guys that were absolutely just so sad because Christ was crucified. And he shows up and says, hey, fellas, what are you all talking about? And they're like, what do you, live under a rock? We're, we're talking about Jesus. We thought he was the Messiah. He got such power, uh, such authority. Uh, we thought he was the one. But you know what? He crucified him. And not only that, it's been three days since then. And, and Jesus it amazingly walks, he, he's going to open their eyes. He's going to say, now let me say, wait a minute, guys. You talk about this Jesus being crucified. Did not the Messiah have to suffer and die? And he says this, it's so cool. He says he went all the way back to the beginning to Moses and to the prophets and the Psalms. He says, let me show you the whole thing. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Christ. And by the way, their eyes will open. They'll say, it's him. And their hearts would be on fire. So if you want to understand the scriptures, you got to start by knowing this is God's word. If you want to really understand the scriptures, you got to understand it points to God's Son. And when God's Spirit, the third part, He illuminates God's Word. It's, it's like the light for us to understand. Uh, until we have the Holy Spirit, it's not going to make a lot of sense to us. Scripture is going to say spiritual things got to be discerned by the Spirit. And, and, and the only way to really understand scripture is by God's grace if His Spirit kind of helps illuminate, helps us there. So you got a story of the Father. Uh, you have it all points to the Son. And it all is going to be illuminated by the Spirit. So, but within this language, the Bible, the language is the Bible of a covenant God. Now, listen, I know I'm giving you a lot of background today. So this is uh, no extra charge. And this is good. But we're opening up God's word and we want to understand it. God has revealed himself to us in scripture of a covenant God. Now, that doesn't mean a lot to us, but it's very, very important for us to understand this. Because we won't understand Habakkuk today unless we get this. So God is a God who, a covenant is like a relationship that's sealed in blood. Uh, and a God is a God who says, I'm going to be your God. And he says to those whom he loves in a special way, you are going to be my people. We're going to enter into a relationship. And we're going to be family. This is the story of the Bible. 
And by the way, in relationship as your God, there's some rules, right? I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm the Lord, your God. I'm the one who has saved you. Uh, I'm the one who's leading you. And by the way, uh, you are to do these things. Obey me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And as you obey me, I'm going to bless you. And as you disobey me, there's going to be curses. Curses will come. And so you say, well, wait a minute, Jeff. I thought King's Chapel was all about grace. It is. We're going to get there. But we have to realize the beauty of God is that God's word will call us into a relationship with him. That's what God does. God is the one who establishes the rules. Hit pause. He's the, always the one who initiates with us. And he's always the one who says, this is what the parameters are going to be. Always. He's God, right? And so he promises blessings for faithfulness. And he promises curses, actually, for sinfulness. So that's kind of the background to God's word a little bit. So let me set up the story. Where does the book of Habakkuk fit in the story? Very important with that in our mind. Let's think about this. So Habakkuk lived about 600 years before Jesus. And there, the, the, the nation of Israel has been divided. There was a northern, the northern tribe of Israel. They were pathetic. They couldn't get one good king. And God used some bad people called the Assyrians, and they've been removed. They've been punished. They've been led into exile. And now what remains is this tribe of Judah. And Judah with Israel is right there, and guess what? The enemy's at their door. And they, too, are wondering, are we going to survive? Uh, you know, God, where are you? So the book of Habakkuk, is at a time right before God's judgment, right before that. So where, we, where are we in actually in the book? We're now going to finish up chapter 1 and 2. It's kind of like, anybody a 24 fan? Remember the movie, the show 24 back in the day? I love that show. Remember how it always started? Previously on 24. Previously in the book of Habakkuk, we have the prophet Habakkuk. Previously in the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk is crying out to God, saying, God, yo, how long are you going to just give me the silent treatment, God? God, I'm crying out to you. I'm asking, where in the world are you? God, how can you look at all this? Look what's happening. Your law's being paralyzed. People aren't living out the law. I mean, they're, they're, they're doing whatever they want to do. I mean, justice is being completely perverted. Your people are going crazy. God, when are you going to show up and do something about this mess? Silent treatment for a while, but God says, okay, guess what? I'm raising up. I'm raising up judgment. I'm raising up these people called the Babylonians. And they're going to come because remember with the promises of the covenant that if you are faithful, you will be blessed. Remember, if you're not, you'll be cursed. Remember how I told you that if you don't obey me and follow me, that you'll actually be pushed out of the promised land, though the exile is coming. So this is where we find the story. Now, it's, it's Bill, it's interesting you prayed the, the request you had, because I really feel like the people in Habakkuk's time, especially Habakkuk, he had to feel like living in the Ukraine right now. It had to feel the same way. Not Russia at his borders, but Babylon was at his borders. So he cried out, God, how long will you be silent? And God answers, and here's how God answers. Listen, I'm not going to be silent. I'm raising up. The people at your borders, that's my doing. <laughs> I'm going to use them. What? How can this happen? How can God allow a godless, ruthless nation 
like Babylon, to come in and destroy us. So we're going to look at a few things this morning as we look through the text. So here are the things we're going to look at. We're going to see Habakkuk's faith and the faithfulness of God in the midst of all this junk. We're going to see Habakkuk's complaint and the character of God. We're going to see Habakkuk's faith in God to answer. We're going to see Habakkuk's faith in waiting for God's appointed time. And something that, God, please let all of us see, one of the most important themes of Scripture, that the justified by faith shall live by faith. So let's look at God's Word. It's Habakkuk. I've given you a lot of background today. Habakkuk, chapter 1. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. We're going to pick up in verse 12. Remember, he's already issued a complaint to God. God has answered, hey, I'm raising up Babylon. And so now we're going to read uh, verse 12 and down to chapter 2, verse 5. Let's be mindful. God's holy and errant word. And it wasn't written just to entertain us. It was written to transform us. Hear the word of the Lord. Habakkuk says, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God? Now I want you to look at how Lord is spelled there. I'm going to come back to it. It's very important. My Holy One, we shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them, that's the nation of Babylon, the Chaldeans, as a judgment. And to you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You, God, who are of pure eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? He makes mankind like the fish of the sea. You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He, the Chaldeans, bring all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them he lives in luxury, and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his nets and mercilessly killing nations forever? Habakkuk says, I will take my stand at the watch post and station myself on the tower and look to see what he will say to me. And what I will answer concerning my complaint. The Lord answered me in verse 2. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits the appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright with him in him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. That's death. Like death, he is never, has never enough. He gathers himself from all nations and collects his own, all, he collects as his own all people. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God, it will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And it's in your matchless name that we pray. Amen. Okay, let's dive in. So the first thing we see is Habakkuk's faith and the faithfulness of God. And we see it in verse 12. 
a close examination of verse 12. It's very interesting how he starts. He's talking to God. He says, hey, are you not from everlasting? Aren't you eternal God? And he says, oh, Lord, that word Lord is a covenant relationship with God. It's Yahweh. Oh, Yahweh, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. So as you look at this, a little closer reveals that this is a man of faith. He's asking questions. He's complaining to God. He's saying, why in the world? But he's a man of great faith. He is not somebody who doesn't believe in God. He's not somebody who believes that God has left the building. He's not somebody who doesn't really know if God is able. Listen to the language that he uses about God. He knows he loves and he trusts in God. Hit pause. If you know you love and you trust in God, ask him anything you want. But ask him in faith. Come to him with lament. Cry out to him. He knows anyway. So he says this, are you not from everlasting? Here's what he's saying. God, this is what's happening right now. But you're eternal. You're from everlasting. Your plans are eternal. So God, this has got to be a part of your plan. Aren't you from everlasting? It's interesting. The prophet Micah will say this, that from Bethlehem will come up one whose days are everlasting. Isn't there an eternal God coming? Isn't there a Savior named Jesus? So I'm going to believe, although I don't know his name, I'm going to believe in you, God. I'm going to believe that somehow, some way, God, you are everlasting. Your plans, your decrees, before time began, everything was planned out by you, the sovereign God of the universe. This is what he's saying. This is faith. Oh, God, are you not an everlasting God? You are eternal. And then he says, oh, Lord, my God. It's the beautiful language of covenant. It's the language that God gave Moses. He didn't give it to everybody. He says, to my people, you shall call me Yahweh. You shall call me Lord. When you read your Bible and Lord is capitalized, it's the name Yahweh. It's this covenant relationship. It's God who says, I will be your God. You will be my specific people. We are in a relationship together. You have my promise to be your God. You have my promise that I will forever hold you as my child. So when he cries out and says, my Lord and my God, this is faith. I mean, this is saying, God, you're the one who made promises to be our God. You promised to deliver us out of evil. You've promised to never leave us. You've promised to never forsake us. You've told us not to be fearful and worry, that you are our God. You are on our side, and we are yours. And then he says, my holy one. I mean, he's watching, he's watching the, the Babylonians who are evil as can be, and he says, you're the holy one. You are the one who's sinless. How can you do this? You're the one who's set apart, and you've called us to be holy. And then he says, says this, we shall not die. Wow, that's faith. Now, most of them are going to get wiped out, and they are going to die physically. And there is going to be a judgment that is coming. And listen, ever since sin entered the world, there has never been anybody who hasn't died. But those who, by God's grace, are in a relationship, covenant relationship with him by faith, faith in the provider of a Messiah, we live. We have a life that can't go away. We, in Christ Jesus, shall not die. Death is at the doorstep. The enemy is about to break through. Our life is going to change Everything we know is going to be upside down. God's judgment is coming. But by God's grace, we will live. 
We are about to be swallowed up by the Babylonians, it says. Death and destruction are at our door. Swallowed up, but you're from everlasting. And although physically death might be there, we shall live. God is faithful. Not only do we see uh, Habakkuk's faith, let me tell you, I'm going to show you God is faithful in the verse 12. It says this, O Lord, that, that word again, Yahweh, you've ordained them as a judgment for you. O rock, you've established them for reproof. God's ways aren't our ways. God's thoughts aren't our thoughts. How could God use a ruthless country to bring judgment on his people? How could God do that? These people are worse than his people are, than God's people. They're, 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 they're worse. They're godless. They're sinless. How many times do you say, God, how can you do that? How can that person be in the White House? How can we have this kind of happening? How can you have that? God, how, and listen, he's not responsible for our sins, and we're knuckleheads, and we make a lot of bad decisions. But what you got to know that over all things that God's sovereign hand is ruling. And here's one of the most scary things ever. Judgment is at their door. And God is using Babylon to do it. And how is God faithful? He told them. In a covenant relationship, when you forget me, when you start sacrificing to false gods, when you run away from me, this is just going to happen. Judgment is going to come. God's promised curses and blessings to his people. They're breaking his covenant. And guess what's coming? Curses. God's being faithful to his word. Judgment is coming. And so I'm telling you, God is faithful even in the midst of the darkness. I'm a, I'm a Jesus lover. My name's Jeff. I love Jesus. And I think he's the point of the whole Bible. And some people that are better gifted preachers than me will leave the punchline till the very end, but I can't. Because I love you, and i got to tell you really quickly the punchline. It's Jesus. Because the life you failed to live, and I failed to live, and the curses that we, watch this, the curses that all of us deserve, all of us deserve, Jesus absorbed all the curses on the cross. That's the cross of Christ. That's God being faithful. I'm a holy God. And yes, when there's sin, it will be punished. And I'm going to punish sin, every single one of them. But for my people, I'm going to provide a substitute, a Passover lamb, and I'm going to pour my wrath out on him so I can pour my blessings out on them. So when you read that judgment is coming, know that God is true to his word. He's faithful. But know that in Christ Jesus, we are forgiven and free. We have a substitute. Judgment is coming, but Jesus amazingly has absorbed God's judgment for us. He became a curse so that we can have his blessings. Secondly, Habakkuk's complaint and the character of God in verse 13 through 17. I love how he starts. He's like, no, wait a minute, God. Let me get this right. You got Babylon out there. They're about ready to swallow us up. They're going to literally, literally put hooks in our lips, and our mouth. They're going to drag a single file. It's going to be like a big net. And they're going to mock us. And they're, they're going to make fun of us. They're going to torture us. They're going to they're worship. They're going to worship false gods as they kill us. Are you going to really do this? And he says, but wait a minute, in verse 13, aren't your eyes so pure that you can't even look at evil? Wait a minute. You can't even look at wrong. So why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when those more wicked swallow up them that are more righteous than he? He's saying this, God, you're holy. And God, you're pure. God, you can't even tolerate evil. Look what's in your hand, God. Well, how can you put Babylon in your hand? 
wait a minute, how can your hand be the bad guys? I don't understand this. You can't look on evil, and yet you're going to use even evil nations to accomplish your will? You're going to use evil nations, although you're not the author of evil, although you are pure and holy, and he is? You're going to allow this as your hand of judgment? He is. But they say in verses 14 through 17, they're brutal. They really are. They worship their own power and might. They mock those who they torture. The judgment of God is so awful. Sit in that for a minute. Sin is that bad. I mean, this is, this is because sin is that bad. Think of Jesus on the cross. Why did the eternal Son of God become man and die on the cross? Why did he have to die? Why did those nails and feet have to be pierced? Why did he have to be mocked? Why did he have to have a crown of thorns on his head? Why did they have to ridicule him as he hung there naked? Why? Because sin is that bad. Because the judgment of God is that deep. And that's what we deserve. And so Habakkuk is saying, this is going to happen. It's going to be really, really ugly. But you know, it just foreshadows a cross. And God's not just a God who's far away saying, I'm going to send judgment on you. You're going to see you get this. No, no, no. God is a God who puts on flesh, who steps in the midst of it and says, put the judgment on me. Let them mock me. Let them drive the nails through me. Let them put the crown of thorns on me. Let me absorb the wrath. Let me be mocked so that they can live. Habakkuk's faith in God's answer. So he was going to say, God, I don't get this. They're a lot worse than we are. How can you use them? I'm going to go over here. I'm going to stand on a tower, a watchtower prophet does that. I'm going to look to see how you answer me. I, I can't. Here's what we got to figure out from this. God, I can't figure it out on my own. I got to let you figure this out. And the point is this. God is giving you a mind. He's giving you friends. He's giving you the word. He's giving you the spirit to try to wrestle through things. But let me tell you something. He's the wonderful counselor. You and I aren't. And there's times in life where you're going to have to go before God and lay before him and say, I don't figure this out. You're going to have to reveal this to me. You're just going to have to, you're going to, have to reveal this to me because I'm telling you, all, all the gray matter I got, it's not making any sense. Habakkuk's faith in God's to answer. Habakkuk's faith in waiting for God's appointed time. And this is great. And God says, by the way, all right, Habakkuk, I'm going to answer you in a vision. Get, I'm, I want you to take, I want you to chisel this answer. It's so important. I want you to, it, it almost sounds like Moses in the Ten Commandments. Take some white tablets, chisel the answer. Um, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write it down. I want you to make it so clear that those who get it can run with it. It says they can run with that message. That's what a messenger does. He runs, he witnesses to the good news. And I want you to wait for it to come to fruition. And here's what he's saying. Here's the vision. There's a time coming. I'm taking care of those Babylonians. I'm going to take care of them. They mock me. Justice, I promise you justice is coming. I promise you. I may use them to accomplish my means, but justice is coming. The time is coming. I've anointed a time, a time where the Savior will be raised up. All those promises, they're going to come true. And I'm going to send one from the line of David. I'm going to send a king whose kingdom shall know no end. Micah just talked about him, one from everlasting. He's going to come from Bethlehem. He's going to be gentle and lowly. All the things that point to him, he's going to come. An appointed time will come that I'll make all things new. Appointed time where I'll fulfill all my promises. 
You see, it's in the fullness of time, Scripture says, that God sent forth his son to come and redeem us. At the appointed time, he came. He lived, he died, he was resurrected, that we can be forgiven and free. But there's still an appointed time where he's coming again and making all things new. He's coming back as a reigning king. But now what is our, our job? Wait in faith. Got to wait for it. Makes me so mad that there'll be pastors who will tell you your best life is now. That's malarkey. It's not. You got to wait for it. Oh, yeah, you can be forgiven now. It's beautiful. You can be loved and filled now. It's amazing. But when you're really set free, when there's not even the opportunity to sin, oh, man, wait for it. Live by faith. Lastly, the justified by faith shall live by faith. And this is so important. A key truth in all of Scripture. And if you haven't heard anything else, please hear this. How were sinners made right before God? We saw God's judgment and his holiness. How are we ever made right before God? You know what scripture teaches from the Old and New Testament? That righteous, the righteousness is ours by God's grace through faith. It's not our righteousness. It's incredible that God, it's called an imputed righteousness, that those of us by God's grace who believe in God's promises, a guy like Abraham, the dude was like almost 100, and he was told he's going to have a kid. He's going to have more descendants than the stars in heaven. He's like, how is this going to happen? My wife, she's way past the year. I'm like old as dirt, and you're going to promise us more kids than ever? That's craziness. But I'm going to believe it, because you're a God who doesn't lie. And it seems absolutely impossible. Matter of fact, we're going to try to do it our own way, but God, we're going to believe it. And you know what God says? Your faith, your faith Abraham, and a promised seed to come, I'm going to credit to you as righteousness. You're going to be declared righteous. Not because of what you do, but because of what you believe. And specifically, you believe in me. And so scripture teaches very clearly that we are made right by believing in God's provided son, Messiah. We are declared righteous. Sinners like us because of his righteousness given to us. And now the righteous are to live by faith. Live by faith. Let me ask you, are you righteous before God? It's either yes or no. And please don't say it's because I joined this church or I went to that sacrament or I did this or do that. Our righteous acts are like filthy rags in the sight of the Lord. Are you righteous before God? Well, you are. You will be declared righteous if you have put your faith and trust in God's Son, Jesus, as the one who would absorb God's curse for us to give us God's blessing. The one who would give us his righteousness, that he would cleanse us with his blood, and that would set us free. Are you righteous before God? And if so, the righteous shall live by faith. Live by faith, not by sight. Because listen, our, my, my eyes are like your eyes. We're like, what in the world has happened? How in the world can you be in control? What is happening? You know, but reality, we live by faith. An appointed time is coming. That Jesus has come, and he's coming again. He came to take away our sins, and he's making all things new. And believers, my brothers and sisters, let us live by faith. Faith in this word, faith in our God, and when our, when our sight tells us something different, may we live by faith until that faith becomes sight and we hug him face to face. Let me tell you about the righteousness and the faith, the, the, the faith of, of, of Habakkuk. At the very end of the book, he says this. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, 
The flock be cut off from the flood of the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. Here's what he says. Okay, God, there's the Babylonians. They're going to swallow us up. At the end of the day, if there's nothing in the checking account, there's nothing in the refrigerator, and there's no hope in the family tree, and there's nothing of my retirement, blessed be the name of the Lord, for he is good. His goodness endures forever, and I choose to walk by faith. Amen? Let's pray. Now, Father God, thank you for Habakkuk. God, thank you for the lessons we learn of your faithfulness, even your faithfulness is in, in judgment. Thank you for how that all points to your faithfulness to us in Christ Jesus. God, we thank you for Jesus, our Messiah, the one who bore that curse on the cross so that we never have to experience the hell of your wrath. You will discipline those you love, but God, we'll never know that. And we thank you for that reality. And God, we thank you for the incredible mystery of the gospel that our faith in you, by your grace, that you declare us righteous and yours, not because of what we do, by God, your grace and who we believe, and your Son is our Savior. And now you say, those who are righteous shall live by faith. God, we need faith, because the world around us is stinking it up. And we need to have faith, God, that you haven't left the building, and you haven't left us, and that your will will be done. Teach us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.